0: And I want to share my experiences with you so that if you are someone who has somebody in your life with BPD, that you may relate to what I'm saying along with my personal tips and suggestions that may or may not work in your specific situation. And if you are someone who has been diagnosed or think you may have BPD, that you may recognize the signs and understand the havoc and turmoil that it can have around people that are involved in your life. Let me caution you that I am in no way qualified or certified in the field of mental health And that my personal suggestions are merely my personal opinion and do not recommend that anybody take any mental health therapy into their own hands, but to personally seek out the help from a professional in the field of mental health. And furthermore, if you are a couple, you might even consider counseling to help further your relationship a little bit better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everybody. Thank you again for listening to Living in Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck. I am your host. Today's episode is going to be extremely emotional for me um, because I've talked to a relative about this before and I kind of lost it. Um, I kind of compared, like, living with my wife with BPD. You know, if you have, um, and I'm not, like, comparing anybody's... um, emotional or physical um, ailments but believe me with that I'm just talking about my own relationship you know if God forbid if I was told my wife had cancer um, at the time when she was diagnosed with BPD which is in 2012 and the doctor said you know she has four years to live you know during that time you try to spend as much time with them and you see their physical you know ailment go downhill you know and you kind of go out with them you know, as they're going out you, you know they decline and finally become almost down to nothing before they pass on with BPD they're diagnosed with it and the same thing you lose them but mentally and they go on living and living and living and living with or without you um, but again they leave you almost with somebody with cancer they leave you you know alone in this world and they they go on but with this they leave you alone and go on but they're still there with you so that's the premise of my episode and um like I said excuse me if I get emotional because I just remember the last time I had talked about this I really kind of lost it but maybe you can um Maybe this may resonate with some of you, or maybe bring something to light. But anyways, I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello everybody. Um, Thank you again for listening to Living in Third Degree with BPD. I'm still having a little bit of issues with my microphone and software, I'm still trying to iron out some of the the issues with it, uh, but anyways, with this episode, um, BPD, the cancer that continues to live. Um, you know, I knew for the longest time my wife was um, had a disorder that it was very hard to pin down, um, and as symptoms started growing and in the beginning she was very confused and she would even say to me you know like one time I I took a rag and and we were having subs and I wiped my mouth and I crumpled up the rag and I tossed it to go in the garbage and she freaked out and then after she said I'm sorry about that I just I don't know for some reason like when you threw that it seems like you're sending a signal to somebody I'm like what are you talking about so in the beginning she trusted me because she was very confused like these little things, like when I take my shoes off and throw them on the floor, and they'd land in a certain direction, she'd be, um, she'd go over and pick them up and go, "Don't you want them in this direction, or that direction?" And then after, she would again, she would apologize and she'd be, "You know, I don't know. It seemed like you were leaving a message for somebody." And that's when she originally trusted me in the beginning to tell me about these things because she was very confused. And I look back now, and it kills me because. She was lost and I was the only one there for her. And she didn't understand what she was going through and she was scared. And I never teased her, you know, because I, I I was confused as well as her. And when she would tell me these things and I'm like, why would she be thinking these things? And, you know, I never made fun of her because I could see she was confused and she would cry and she would say, can you just hold me? And I would hold her. And I'm like, I don't know, baby. Like, maybe we could talk to somebody to try to figure this out. And um, she was receptive to that. She um, eventually got help. And, you know, behind, I don't want to say behind her back because it wasn't sneaky. But, I like, behind her back, I was, like, looking up her symptoms and stuff. And it kept pinpointing towards borderline personality disorder. So I started reading into it more. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is what she has. And I didn't want to tell her. Because I didn't want to think I was trying to analyze her behind her back and do anything tricky. Because it is kind of, you know, like, I could see her saying, like, why didn't you talk to me about this? Why did you do it all behind my back? And, um, which, if I could go back, I, I probably should have, you know, done this together with her. But the day she came out, and she goes, well, I think I know what I might have. And I said, what? And she threw this paper at me, not not in a bad way. And I looked at it. Oh, my God. <laughs> it said borderline personality disorder and i looked at her and i said wow i said you know i've looked up a few different kind of disorders you know on things of both of us and it did seem like some of the things i was reading pointed towards that and um i remember her she did say well you didn't tell me that and i said why because i wasn't sure i'm not a doctor or anything but um I quickly get off that subject and i said so what did they suggest now and she said well they talked about a thing called uh, dbt and um uh, she said but they do it in groups and i told her i'm not good in groups <gasps> excuse me and um so i told her i said can you ask her if there's like anything at home we can do maybe we can do it as a couple and um i i had known a little bit what dbt was because um in my own um you know issues with my counselor she had mentioned dbt and i looked up you know i knew what dbt was um so she says i don't know so anyways her next appointment she came out and she said um her counselor did say that we could look up online and there there is things you could do at home so being excited that i i printed up uh, i i think i tagged maybe probably about 12 different sites that you could um free and uh, they had some courses it was one it was like 120 dollars And they actually take you through the steps and they have somebody you can talk to online. And I told her I was willing to pay for that. And um, she was receptive in the beginning. She said, you know, she said, I really appreciate you working with me on this. And I said, Michelle, I love you. I Why wouldn't I? I said, you know, I'd be there every step of the way. And she said, I know you would. So in the beginning, it started off really good. Um, But then, you know, whenever I tried approaching her about doing the DBT, there was always an excuse. I don't want to do it today, maybe tomorrow. I don't want to do it today, maybe tomorrow. And I said, well, it's not just about you. It's about me. I want, you know, there's something to help me as well. And it also helped help me to approach you, you know, and rather than yell at you when we have an issue. Or, you know, if I have an issue, maybe how to handle it. And she said, well, you can do what you can on your own. And, you know, you don't have to wait for me. And I said, well, I have done a lot of stuff on my own. But... I want to work on the couples things and you know she's like okay well not today long story short never once did she allow me to work with her with DBT as a couple and I printed up I'm not kidding a ream of paper is 500 sheets and I literally probably printed out a whole ream of paper on DBT for individuals uh, for um, couples different situations um, courses and never once did she find the the time to be able to do it with me. And I wanted to do it with a really bad and I wanted to do, you know, role playing and, and really kind of, you know, grasp this. DBT was originally designed for people with borderline personality disorder. And then, you know, people in the mental health field felt it was, you know, good for anybody, any disorder. I personally think it's good for anybody. It really does allow you to, you know, work on mindfulness and step back. And, you know, we always say, shit, if I could go back, I would have said this, or I would have, wouldn't would have said this, you know, and you can never go back. So it allows you to take a step back, you know, that fight or flight type of mode, and, you know, really think about what you could say or should say, or, you know, nobody's perfect, but it's that one extra step that you can take to help, you know, save a fight, or, you know, even save a relationship. But anyways, um, so as time started progressing, um, their doctor had uh, mentioned to her about um going on she was already on lamictal um for her bipolar and i'm on lamictal as well but she had um told us zyprexa might be um because i had looked at back up a second i had looked up and see what kind of medications is good for people with bpd and one of them was zyprexa and i so i looked it up and i read it to her and i should have again i should have read it first yeah, because there's certain keywords in there that triggered it, and I said it's an antipsychotic right away. She went, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, fuck that." I said, "What? I'm not going to something that's a psychotic medication." I said, "No, no, no." They just—that's what they call it. She goes, "I don't care." I said, "Hold on. When people try to quit smoking, they put them on um, Walbutrin. Walbutrin well, is an antidepressant. Doesn't mean you're depressed, and it doesn't mean you know you you know you it's for you for antidepressant. It's just it's a property in it that." helps people to quit smoking. I don't care. I'm not going on antipsychotic. Nothing I could say, you know, and that might've been my fault that, you know, I should have held back that word because it kind of labeled her as psychotic. And over the years, as much as I tried, it just stuck with her on that. It was a psychotic. And I even had called her counsel one time and we had a, um, a privacy paper where we could communicate with each other. And I told her to try to talk to her about that. Still couldn't get through to her. And still to this day, I think our relationship would have been salvaged if she had just taken that fucking medication. I mean, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure. It, it would definitely wouldn't have. It would have done good. It would have done some good. So anyways, as her disorder progressed, and then she started getting the paranoia and the delusions, I started seeing the woman I fell in love with The woman that I did love, that I never felt any less love with her. From the day I met her, I only increased my love with her, or it stayed stabilized. I never fell back with love. I may have been disappointed like when there was infidelity or lying, but I never uh, came to a point where I said, I don't love this woman anymore. Never. And still to this day, I love that woman more in the air that I fucking breathe. And when she started having hallucinations, if I remember the first time, um, the first hallucination I remember her having was she heard something in the basement. And our basement became one of the biggest problems. And immediately she said, what do you got, fucking women sleeping in our basement? So you can go fucking when I'm sleeping? Like, you know, first I was in shock, like, what are you talking about? And later on that night, I'm like, she really thinks this. She really means this. Like, what is going on? And as time went on and the delusions and everything, I was talking to my aunt one day and I said, it's almost like, you know, when a doctor diagnoses somebody with cancer, you know, and they say you get so much time to live, you try to live it up the best you can. And you see them slowly deteriorate and you know, time is of the essence and you're going to lose them. And you have pretty much a calculated time, you know, instead of saying, you never know when somebody's going to pass. A doctor gave you, you know, up to like four years to live. It could be even now for four years. And, you know, with, um, with her disorder, I started seeing her slipping away and her attitude, her demeanor, her compassion, um, the way she was with me in public or at home, it just wasn't the same, you know, she'd be sitting on the couch watching a movie and I'd be able to jump over the back of the couch and grab her and hug her and go, we love you, baby, <laughs> and just, you know, and then cuddle up with her and watch a movie. If I ever did that, you know, even like a year ago, she would have been, what are you up to? It just, nothing I did was ever receptive like it used to be in the, in you know, in the earlier days. So I just started seeing this woman that, I loved so much Slip Away and I used to be able to finish her sentences, she could finish mine. We knew each other. We grew up together. We were, You know, our teens, our 20s and 30s and 40s, everything, we, we grew up together, we grew with each other. I saw this woman slipping away and he has somebody like, I used to be able to, I, I could tell like when she was going to get up and have to go to the bathroom, <laughs> it was funny. I remember one time, and this is an award of a lie, I took the blankets off her and she said, what's that for? And I said, because I'm sure you're going to have to go pee in a minute. And she's like, that's weird. I really was just literally getting ready to go pee. It was almost like we had a spiritual connection. You know, there was many times I went to call her and she's like, I was just going to call you or vice versa. That It was like we were soulmates. Like, that made me comfortable, even though sometimes like things weren't a surprise. It didn't matter. Everything about her, with her, I loved. And still to this day, I do. I just miss it because I miss the woman. That love, because she's not who I know anymore. I can't guess what she's going to say or do. And if I do, it's horrible things. And it's like, I used to melt in her arms, and she would melt in my arms. And people in the store sometimes, like, we were in the doll store one day, and there was a song that came over the speaker, and it was an 80s song, and me and her a huge 80s music dance. And I grabbed her, and I started dancing with her, and she started dancing, and we were getting into it, and an older couple came around the corner, and they said, that is so cute. I remember when we were so young and in love. I said, are you guys, um, how would you say it, like newlyweds or something? I said, no, we've been together for 30 years. And they said, that's amazing. And I used to think it was amazing. So many people would say it. When we were good, we were great. People would i say, you'd never know you guys were together for so long. You know, when we had our businesses, and even when I was working and I hired her to work with me, we could live together, we could work together. And people are like, I could never work with my spouse, or I love, oh my God, I love going to work. It gives me time away from my spouse. I could never get enough time with her. I wanted to be with her from the minute I woke up to the minute I went to bed, whether it was being together throughout the day, working together. We worked together so well. And everybody said, I don't know how you guys can do it. And some people say maybe that's the demise of your relationship. No, it's not. It was not the demise. We we loved being together. I loved being with her every minute of the day. I never had any minute that I was sick of being with her. You know, we, we had the same likes, the same hobbies. We loved everything together. We it was like we were one. And um, But then as DBT, you know, it just started becoming a deliberating disease and taking her away from me and... Everything about her changed. She became paranoid and, you know, the hallucinations and the delusions. And like I said, I, I couldn't calculate how an argument would go. You know, back in the past, I knew, you know, if we had an argument, a couple hours would be fine or, or a day, you know, we'll sleep on it and ignore each other for the day and be fine the next day. I could always calculate that too. And then it became uncalculated. Like, was this going to be a one-day separation, two-day, which she going tell me to leave? How hard was it going to be to get back? It became harder and harder. And then it became harder, like I said, during the relationship to reassure her throughout the day. And I'd have to go above and beyond. And then I started developing ticks because, you know, I had to be careful, you know, the old quote-unquote walking on eggshells of, you know, what I, you know, I got to be careful what I'm saying um, or if I made a comment about something if I took too long in the bathroom so I started developing ticks. so it's like the further she was being pulled away from me I'm developing issues of my own and then her triggers I could never calculate them so she started becoming um, somebody I didn't know it was the shell of my wife the beauty um, everything i was attracted to sexually she was beautiful and sexy but the internal i didn't know her i was getting confused um it was just somebody i didn't know anymore and it was like you know when you know somebody especially for 34 years you know if it's gonna take just a little bit of a rose for her to go all right uh, i'll forgive you or if you're gonna take her over japanese food now it was the littlest fight turned into, you know, a five-day stretch of me not being able to go back to her. Or, you know, it was so unpredictable. You know, you think, like I said, after 30 years, we knew each other's sentences. We knew when we are going to have to go pee, um, what we wanted for supper that night. I mean, it was amazing. We literally would know, you know, what we were in the mood for. I would make supper, and she's like, wow, how did you know that I was in the mood for fish? I mean, it was... St- I'm not kidding. It was spiritual. Like we were both part of it. We knew each other's next moves and everything. And some people would say, wouldn't that be boring? There's no spontaneous or surprise. No, because it still was, but we knew each other so well. So I knew how to make her happy. She knew how to make me happy. You know, we also knew how to piss each other off. You know, we knew each other's triggers and buttons. It wasn't all, you know, hunky dory, but it started becoming a stranger. I didn't know, you know, when it, back in the past when I'd make her a, you know, baked stuff haddock and she'd say, Wow, how did you know I was in the mood for fish? I just knew. And then one day I went to make her baked stuff haddock and she said, Why'd you make baked stuff haddock? I said, like, What is that, your girlfriend's favorite food? That's how it became. It everything started turning suspicious and everything started turning, you know, to a bad motive or there was something in it in, in this cancer just took my wife away it stole my fucking wife if bpd was a person i'd commit fucking murder because it took my wife away and i can't get it through her head on to take this medication to try to get help for it it's gone so far you know it's almost like an addiction like If you get it in the beginning, you know, you can get through it. But the longer it takes, the longer it takes your mind to get rewired. You know, if somebody's on heroin and they're on it for like five years, it takes a long time for them. You got to go through rehab and get your brain rewired and get back to life the way you knew it before the drug. With her, it would have to be completely rewiring and try to step back of, you know, do you really think your husband would go this far of doing something while he's, you know, really trying to do this for you? there's a lot of unleveled stuff that would have to be leveled and show her the, you know, the motives. And, you know, do you really think this is possible? Would you do this? And it would take a lot of work. Um, And that's even if she ever did come to that point of really wanted to get, you know, the real help she really needed to get. And I think it's gone too far, at least for us, at least for us. I told my daughter my son before. I said, what makes me so worried and upset is that me and mom get separated and I move on, which that's not going to happen. And she moves on. And all of a sudden, she's with somebody that she really likes. And they say to her, listen, you got to get some serious help or I'm leaving. And she loves this person enough that she actually does get the real help. And then stats becoming you know, maybe even, you know, recovering from BPD that she could have done with me, but didn't. And starts having a healthy relationship with somebody else. But yet with the person who tried so hard and tried and being there for her and suffered so much and tried. And I, I brought disorders on myself with ticks and stuff. And... But yes, she couldn't do it for me. That's what would kill me the most. If she's going to get help and wanted to do it with me, or if she does get the help, come back to me. But my biggest fear is that she's going to get the help and get recovered on BPD for somebody else, with somebody else, and then have a wonderful relationship with them. And then my perception of me is bad, left in the dust, and never have a chance no matter what. That's my biggest fear. And that's why I've been trying so hard. But BPD to me is a fucking cancer that takes away somebody from you, but that they're, they're still living and they continue on and on. And that's what's hard. That's what's so hard. That'd be like somebody having cancer and they're getting right to the very last point of them where they are holding on to that last breath for like 10 more years. And you just see them just hanging there and there's nothing you can do for them or with them. That's the position I feel I'm in. But anyways... I don't know if anybody agrees, like, in the sense of what I'm talking about or can resonate what I'm talking about. But if you do, shoot me an email. Like I said, I I love getting emails from you guys. And um, that's pretty much the end of this episode. But thank you again for listening. I really appreciate the support. And please remember, if you're living with somebody with BPD that you love, remember, understand them and love them as much as you can. Because they find it so hard to understand themselves and love themselves. Thank you very much. Happy life. You've been listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. I hope you enjoyed the show. And please check out my many other episodes. I hope you get some beneficial suggestions from my experiences. And remember, we're all responsible for our own choices. I'd like to remind you that if you have someone in your life with BPD, try to understand them and love them as much as you can. Because they find it so hard to be able to understand themselves and love themselves. So thank you again and have a happy life.